I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 222. And welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. There are moments in life when we are just flat out afraid. Or is that just me? So so why when we are weak and trembling and unsure of what to do next, do we reach way down deep and try to carry the weight or solve the problem on our own? Hawk Nelson's song, He Still Does, reminds us that God is still in the miracle working business. Let's listen and then dive into scripture this week to learn from a king and his people and the same God we still serve. With every option exhausted, you tried everything you know. You saw light, then you lost it, but there is still Every option exhausted, you've tried everything you know, so reach for something beyond it because he is our hope. And when you're listening to a song about miracles, where in the Bible do you turn? Well, you can pretty much take your pick because God is in the miracle business and he proves himself over and over in page after page of scripture, story after story of real people and their interactions with our very real God. So I'm going to bring you to an area of scripture I was already reading in, and I I do spend hours in God's work each week preparing to share with you, but I also try to have a personal time in God's word where I don't have an agenda other than just spending time with him. And I read the Bible through all the way through each year. I happened to be in Second Chronicles recently, and I was reading of the miracles that God did there and thought, why not? I mean, this story is as good as any other to sit and learn for a while. But before we dive into the life and legacy of King Jehoshaphat in Second Chronicles chapters 17 through 20, let me give you a little perspective into the reading of First and Second Chronicles. In these books, we see that success in battle and material prosperity are directly related to obedience to Father God, while failure is due to unfaithfulness or a lack of trust. And this is seen even in the vignette that we are going to be discussing today. And as all of God's story, when you consider the big picture, it all points 
to Jesus. And Chronicles is written in an era when the temple was being restored. So it was written while the temple was being restored. But the chronicler is looking back and detailing the stories leading up to the captivity of God's people, and then ultimately ending the Chronicles with a proclamation of Cyrus to restore the temple. There's a lot of history just summarized in the last chapter of Second Chronicles, but it really points to the purpose of the Chronicler, to remind us of the central role of worship and the importance of the temple. And of course, this points toward Jesus, who ultimately replaces the temple as the place of God's presence through his incarnation, death and resurrection, and ultimately through God's sharing of his Holy Spirit in our own lives as we accept him. So before we focus in on a few key areas in these three chapters, let me share with you the Bible interaction tool exercises I used this week. Now, I call these exercises Bites for short. In fact, when you subscribe through my website, at michellekneesat.com, I will send you a one-page resource of my top five bites to get you started. So this week, I first reread in context. So remember, I had already read through these chapters before, but I'm going to go reread them, chapters 17 through 20 of Second Chronicles, straight through to get the whole picture. And then I looked back to see who Jehoshaphat's dad was and what he was like. And that's another context move, by the way. It matters. You know, sometimes the good kings came out of nowhere and sometimes the bad kings just didn't learn from their parents. So I just wanted to see. And as I continued to study, I looked at an outline to kind of see the breakdown of Jehoshaphat's story from a 10,000 foot view, I like to call it. And I also consulted a map along the way. And I ran across a couple of verses that I wrote out. I wrote out some scripture to ponder, and I even shared one with some friends as it was applicable to a situation that they were facing. And then finally, I made a list of the characteristics of Jehoshaphat to help me kind of process who he was as a person. So those are the Bible interaction tool exercises that I used this week. You can use those in your daily study and reading of God's word. As you can see, they're very simple practices that you can incorporate as you go. In fact, let's start with that bite of making a list. Uh, You can read Jehoshaphat's story beginning in chapter 17, and this is what the chronicler says of him. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father David before him. He did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. The Lord established his kingdom, the kingdom under his control, and all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asherah poles from Judah. So what did I write on my list. It's it's as simple as just breaking down the characteristics that were written in paragraph form in those six or I guess verses three through six and then listing them out. So number one, the Lord was with him. Number two, he walked in the ways of David. Number three, he did not seek Baals. Number four, he sought God. Number five, he walked in God's commandments. Number six, he did not act like Israel. Number seven, therefore, the Lord established his kingdom. Number eight, he had riches and honor in abundance. Number nine, his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. And number 10, he removed high places and wooden images. In other words, he he removed the, the places and things dedicated to idol worship. 
Now, not every story or character holds truths that are just for us, okay? It's wise to first read God's word in context for what it was intended. And as I mentioned earlier, by the retelling of the story of God's people, Chronicles reminds us of the central role of worship and ultimately points to Jesus. But when I read of people highlighted in God's word that are described as the Lord was with him, my ears perk up. What about this king precipitated God being with him? We can learn from that. So first we see that he walked in the ways of David. Now David is described in God's word as a man after God's own heart. However, not all of his ways were holy, right? He was unbelievably flawed. He was an anointed king, a mighty warrior, a musician and a poet, a faithful and loyal man, and a great leader who made preparations for the temple. But he was also disloyal to his men, committed adultery, committed murder, tried to cover his sins, and brought judgment on his family. So which ways might the chronicler be speaking of? Well, the next characteristic in our list might give us a clue. Characteristics three and four on my list are actually opposites, highlighting what Jehoshaphat and and King David did and did not do. He did not seek Baals, and Baal was a god worshipped in ancient Canaan. He sought God. Right, so he did not seek an idol. He sought. He did not seek a false god. He sought the real God. And then characteristics five and six are five and six are also opposites. He walked in God's commandments, and he did not act like Israel. By the way, who did not walk in God's commandments? We can deduce then that for God to be with us, we must seek God and walk in His commandments. This seems pretty elementary, right? Kind of sounds like a Sunday school answer, but stop and consider your own life. When faced with big decisions, do you seek God? When faced with daily decisions, do you seek God? Do you walk in his commandments? Do you meditate on them enough to know what God's commandments even are? Then there's the really big therefore. I had a pastor who used to say, when there's a therefore, look to see what it's there for. Well, We just considered everything before the therefore, and now we actually see the benefits, uh, what what the benefits are of God being with us, And, and they include, and what they at least included for King Jehoshaphat. So we see that the Lord established his kingdom. He had riches and honor in abundance. His heart took delight in the ways of the Lord, and he removed the idols in his life. These are pretty amazing benefits, but it all began at the steps of seeking God and walking in his commandments. Those are the daily, sometimes mundane steps in life that lead to the magnificent blessings of God. We often seek those blessings, however, and we forget that it is a life of following Christ that leads to the abundance we long for. One of the verses I discovered and shared with a friend this week actually came from 2 Chronicles 15, chapter 2. It is actually said of Asa, Jehoshaphat's father, and it's here where we see the legacy of truth that Asa left in the life of his son. It says, The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Let me remind you by this. God is the faithful one. If you look around and you don't see God, it's generally not him that's moved. This promise is spoken over and over in God's word. If you seek him, he will be found by you. 
But the Lord isn't going to follow your agenda, however. He's God. The Lord is with you while you are with Him. So it's our job to discover where He's at work and join Him in that. I mentioned the outline that I referenced as I spent time learning about King Jehoshaphat. It's a good thing uh, to see the big picture and then focus in on lessons and applications, kind of see the whole story. And in this case, the story is three chapters long, or I'm sorry, four, 17, 18, 19, 20. And um, then we're going to focus in on a, a single story a little bit later. But here's kind of the big picture. In his early years, he walked in the ways of his father, David, like we just discussed. Then he had the Levites instructing people through scripture. They actually traveled all over the country instructing the people of Judah in scripture. And he miraculously defeats Moab and Ammon, which is why I was inspired by our song this week to read the story in the first place because I was really focused in on that miracle. And then after this defeat, he gives this great speech at the temple. There's thanksgiving and songs and praise. And then his life unfortunately ends on a sour note when he enters into an unholy alliance with Israel. It's just so hard for the kings of Judah to end well. But now that we've met Jehoshaphat, let's look at that miracle, that, that one I, that I really want to focus in on in 2 Chronicles 20. Verse 1 through 4, it says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, with some of the Mayunites, I probably said that wrong, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Now, this is where I use the bite of consulting a map. You know, sometimes I just skim over locations, but I was sincerely trying to get my bearings as to where all these places were. I'll link to the map that I discovered online. I'll link to it in the show notes. You can find those at michellekneezat.com forward slash 222. It might be of interest to you as you are reading through this to kind of see on a map where these people were coming from and where they were attacking Judah. But basically to break it all down, neighboring countries decided to wage war against Judah. I love the verbs used to describe how the king responded. Beyond the fear and alarm, what did Jehoshaphat do with the fear and this alarming news? He resolved, he inquired, And he proclaimed, Jehoshaphat resolved to seek the Lord. Remember, we have that choice. We can seek the Lord or false gods. And oftentimes in our culture today, those false gods just seem to be our own strength or sometimes self-help books or uh, friends that are not giving us godly counsel. But what did God promise? If we seek him, he will be found. But it takes resolve. And what did the king resolve to do? To inquire of the Lord. He resolved to ask God what he should do. What does that look like for us, practically speaking? Well, hopefully you're seeking a lifestyle of staying in God's word for times when the vast army comes against you, right? If the only time you seek God's word is when you need a word, you may come up wanting But let's say you have the good habit of staying in God's word, 
To inquire of the Lord is to ask him to remind you of the truths you've already learned, to help you connect maybe perhaps an academic understanding with a real life heart application. But Jehoshaphat did not do this on his own. In fact, he proclaimed a fast. He brought the entire kingdom into this seeking the Lord business, and they responded. That's a bite, by the way, a Bible interaction tool exercise of sharing with friends. And part of that sharing is sharing the burden of of direction and um, consulting of the Lord. And this is what verse 4 says. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. And then I want you to go read it for yourself in Second Chronicles 20. But Jehoshaphat offers an amazing prayer calling on God. My favorite line is the last one, though. It says, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Ah, and then God answered. God answered through a Levite, a member of the priesthood. It says the spirit of the Lord came on him to share God's words with the king and all of Judah gathered with their eyes on God. God spoke to them. Now, so for those of you waiting for God to answer with a neon sign and a deep voice from heaven, you might be surprised to hear that he speaks through his servants committed to serving his people through worship in the word like your pastor. So what did God say through this Levite? His name is Jehaziel. Jehaziel said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So there they have it. Their eyes on God, they have their answer. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Both of which, by the way, they probably already were. Go out to face the vast army, and the Lord will will be with you. So they did that. They went out the next morning. And as you will see, as you read Second Chronicles for yourself, Jehoshaphat sent out a worship team in front. And as they began to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness, God be- began his miracle. Verse 22 says, as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sire, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Sire to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Sire, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing, and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. Friend, God still does miracles like this. But there were so many important steps that led to this miracle. Do we walk 
in the Lord's commands? Do we resolve to inquire of him in every circumstance? Do we take courage when he speaks words of courage over us? Do we set aside fear when he promises he will fight the battle on our behalf? Do we go out in the morning to face the battle as he instructs us? Do we lead out through song and praise for the splendor of his holiness? I don't know about you, but I've been challenged by what I've learned this week. And what I've shared with you is just a fraction of God, what God wants to teach you through Second Chronicles 17 through 20. So what's next? I think you can guess. <laughs> Read Second Chronicles 17 through 20 for yourself. Consider the story of King Jehoshaphat. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Ponder the characteristics of God and his ability and desire to perform miracles in the lives of those who seek him. Resolve to inquire of the Lord. Involve others in the process. We were never meant to walk all of this alone. Set your heart to delight in the ways of the Lord. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord will be with you. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com or hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook. Michelle L. Nizat is my public page. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, TheOverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast. But more importantly, pointing them to God's Word through music. When you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I encourage you to check them out at TheOverflow.com. And I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Tony Lee from New Zealand, Maureen from Canada, Rob from Virginia, Sharon from Louisiana, and Tara from somewhere in the U.S. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. And subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you will get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, desktop, or you can print it out. And you'll get an email recap of the week's episode and instant access to any of the extra resources that I create for my podcast from time to time. All of this is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. There are so many ways to listen to the podcast. We are now featured on Joy 103.1 every Saturday at 10 10 a.m. Eastern and always on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio. And as always, you can subscribe in iTunes. And while you're there, would you please leave me a written review and a star rating? This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. As always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using I Lift My Hands by Chris Tomlin to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 222. And while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.